Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8 says, For we do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened beyond measure, above strength, so that we despaired even of life. Now, this is the Apostle Paul speaking. Apostle Paul said, we despaired even of life. He even says, yes, in the natural, really, he was saying, we had this sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves. But in God, who raises the dead. Hallelujah. You know, he could have picked so many things to say in that scripture, so many things he could have, he could have written down, but he choose, chose to write something that is impossible. He could have said, it trusted in God who parts a Red Sea, or trust in God that turns water into wine. But he said, I trust in the God who raises the dead. What is that something that what I can put my faith in? Really, really, it comes down to what Paul's saying. I am placing my faith in the finished work of Jesus. God raised Jesus from the dead. And if he raised Jesus from the dead, what can he do in my situation? What can he do in my body? What can he do in my marriage? What can he do in my children? What can he do in my life? What can he do in anything that's going on around me? He said, in the natural, yeah, I despaired even of life, but he got to a point where he said, I can't trust in myself. You're never meant to trust in yourself. But he says, but I trust in God, hallelujah, who raises the dead. Then he says this, who delivered us? He wasn't asking a question like who delivered us. He's telling who delivered us. The one who raises the dead. He's the one who delivered us, hallelujah, who delivered us from so great a death. Then he says this, and does deliver us. He did, he does, in whom we trust that he will still deliver us. He's a God that did deliver. He is a God that is delivering and he will still deliver us. Hallelujah. But his trust was not in himself. His trust was in God who raises the dead. Hallelujah. Father, we trust in you. And Lord, we don't lean on our own understanding. In all our ways, we acknowledge you and you direct our path. We trust in you. Hallelujah. Mm, Whatever, just lift your hands to heaven. Hallelujah. Whatever you're, you're, you're going through, just... Get a, get a picture of what you're facing, but get a picture of your freedom. Get a picture of the change. Get a picture of the deliverance. Get a picture of the victory. Hallelujah. Lord, we're here on a Wednesday night to seek you. We choose to seek you. And Lord, I stand in agreement and I thank you for manifested deliverance happening in their situation, whether it's physical, whether it's financial, whether it's relational, I decree deliverance.
I sought the Lord and he heard me. Hallelujah. Deliverance. Thank you, Father. To invade every heart. Do you know freedom begins on the inside? Freedom begins on the inside. Those of you may, well, Pastor, you don't understand what I'm going through. I've got all these different things. Freedom begins on the inside. a knowing on the inside. Faith is all about a knowing on the inside. I know that I know that I know. Mm. Freedom's mine. Freedom's mine. Freedom's here. Freedom's now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Mm. As people of faith, we... we, (laughs) We're not moved by what we feel. We're not moved. Like I said on Sunday morning, my circumstances don't determine my emotions. Mm. Hallelujah. I allow the word of God. The word of God dictates my emotions. The word of God. The word of God settles me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Freedom to invade every heart. Freedom to invade every heart. That woman with the issue of blood, she had freedom in her heart to such an extent that it caused her to press through the crowd to where she said, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I'm going to be free. She, it, she kept, one, uh, one, part, one of the gospels says she kept saying with, within herself, if I just touch the hem of his garment, I'm free. There was this knowing on the inside of if I just get there, uh, the, my, my freedom is, 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 is going to take place. She was already, she was already free. She was just like, I just need to touch him. I just need to touch him. I just need to touch the hem of his garment and I will be free. I will be free. Hallelujah. Mm. The apostle Paul, when he was put in prison, he, he was free. He was free. Hallelujah. And he, he even made a statement in his, in, in, in his writings. He said that, he said, you can't, you can't, you can't restrain the word of God. Hallelujah. Mm. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for freedom, freedom, freedom. I want you to just pray maybe for the person on your left and your right. I want you to pray over their freedom. You don't know what they may have came in here with tonight, but a freedom. It could be freedom from thoughts. It could be a freedom from, uh, from just confusion. It could be a freedom from something in the past. It could be unforgiveness. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The word tells us that we are to stand in the gap for one another. The word tells us. Hallelujah. That we are, we are, we, we are to bear one another's burdens and fulfill the law of Christ. 
Hallelujah. So, Father, we lift up our brother and our sister to you right now, Lord, and we just thank you for the freedom, the freedom, Lord, that they're pressing into, physical, financial, relational, in every way. Lord, I thank you for, for the anointing of God right now, Lord, to rest upon each person in this place. And I thank you for the anointing, the, 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 very, the, the very purpose of the anointing is to break things free. So right now, anointing, break free. Break free. The anointing destroys the yoke and it removes the burden. It, 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 it destroys it. It obliterates it. Thank you for a freedom. A freedom, a freedom. A freedom, a freedom. Thank you for freedom, 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 hallelujah. Hopelessness, you go now. Hopelessness, you go now. Ha, freedom, freedom, hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you for freedom. Thank you for freedom. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Mm. Thank you for freedom. Praise you for freedom. Thank you, Lord. Mm. Praise you, Father. Mm. Hallelujah. Mm. Hallelujah. Isaiah 33, 6 says, He has filled Zion with justice and righteousness. Wisdom and knowledge will be the stability of your times. And it says, And the strength of salvation and the fear of the Lord is his treasure. Hallelujah. Now, how this actually translates is this, the strength of salvation is the abundance, the abundant store of victories. The wisdom and knowledge will be the stability of your times. And that wisdom and knowledge, it says, that translation, translates strength of salvation is the abundant store of victories. Father, I thank you for the abundant store of victories that come because of the wisdom of God and the knowledge of God. Hallelujah. I thank you for the abundant store of victories. Thank you for the abundant store of victories. I thank you for victories happen all the time at Heritage of Faith. Victories always happen at Heritage of Faith. We rejoice in victories. We're thankful for victories. We rejoice in victories. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, if you, if you are expecting victories, give them a shout of praise. Amen. Thank you, Father. Thank you for victories. Amen. Hallelujah. Why don't you greet one another and welcome to Heritage of Faith and tell them how good it is to see them on a Wednesday night. Hallelujah. Mm. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. You all doing good tonight? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank Nikki for an awesome word last week. Amen. The gospel of the kingdom. Hallelujah. 
Well, now before I get into the Word tonight, we have a, a special guest, someone dear to the ministry, someone I've known, actually, uh, I think him and I, got, him and I got to Texas about the same time. Uh, I think you were probably, Caleb, what, 18 years old? Yeah. yeah you were 18 years old, 18 or 19, I think just 18, just graduated high school. And so he came from Alabama to, to uh, Fort Worth, Texas. I came from Maryland to, to, uh, to well, the big town of Crowley, I should say. Um, but uh, Caleb, uh, Caleb, and, and if you want to bring your lady, you can bring her up as well. You want to come on up? Give Caleb a hand. <laughs> she's like, <laughs> she's like, she's like, I'm good. <laughs> um, so just to introduce Caleb um, uh, correctly, uh, Caleb's been in ministry all his life, <laughs> pretty much. Um, and his father is Matt Gober, and uh, who who founded Canaan Land. Canaan Land. And um, as far as I know, I mean, I didn't start pastoring here until 2007 to where I was looking at the finances and things like that. But I think it's pretty much from the founding of the church as a church, we support Canaan Land Ministries um, in, uh, in Alabama. And, um, and he can tell you more about that and what he does there and how he continues to carry on the vision of of his father and also supports and is a support to his mom yeah. and um and but what a great legacy um you know his father um getting getting saved as being an outlaw biker and i mean he could tell you the story and that but but i just told him just whatever in his heart to encourage you to to share with you and um so caleb amen amen, amen. Uh, first of all, I just want to thank Pastor Justin and uh, Annette for even allowing me to share anything tonight and to be able to stand up here. And uh, happy birthday. Oh, uh, yeah. And uh, so, uh, First Lady, happy birthday. Yeah, so praise the Lord. And so pray that your birthday was special. Uh, my wife, uh, Brittany, you can go ahead and stand up. You can stand up, turn around. Amen. Rich, young, beautiful, godly, amen, and uh, God hit all of them, uh, but she plays the keyboard, she sings, and uh, I play the guitar, I sing, and we lead worship together, which is such a joy of our heart, and uh, something that we enjoy doing together. Uh, our daughter, um, she'll be five months uh, this Sunday, this Sunday, five months, and so... Uh, her name is Victoria Faith Gober, and uh, we just got to keep faith in the family, and because uh, I am a faith man, and she is a faith woman, and uh, we just don't ever waver from faith. Uh, why? Why? <laughs> you know, all these people getting away from faith, why? You know, um, you know it works, and, uh, and, and it puts you over, and it puts you on top, and it guarantees you victory. So, uh, amen. But uh, such an honor to be here. Once again, thank you for allowing me to share. Uh, went to uh, JSMI uh, with Pastor Justin. I, I was here 99 uh, through 2001. Um, went two years. Second year, I worked uh, for Brother Jerry uh, in the ministry, helping out. And actually, um, I had learned how to play the guitar at the time. 
but I think the first time that I ever played on a, a platform uh, with uh, musicians and a team uh, was the youth group for Jerry Chevelle's uh, church here uh, under Rodney and Terry Foy at the time. And uh, so anyways, it was quite a journey. It was quite the experience. We did a lot of uh, street evangelism here. I know y'all know anything about that street evangelism, you know, uh, from the evangelist of the house. And uh, I know evangelism's in Pastor Justin's heart, but we did a lot of street evangelism when I was here and it was absolutely wonderful. Uh, went downtown Fort Worth and Dallas and, and um, shared our light was able to go on some mission trips and you know those mission trips um really marked my life to see um people in such need um care about us that came over uh to be with them i think uh what was it the second year yeah we we went to a completely unreached uh village never even heard the name of jesus uh from my understanding they ate old rice for a week and saved the new rice for us when we got there. And, uh, you know, I don't know the terms over there, but I know it was supposed to be two hours and two rivers. Uh, and, and it was four hours and eight hours and eight rivers. It was, it was crazy. It was crazy. By the time we got there, they're like, uh, the, uh, Todd at the time, uh, gave us the, what is it worth to you speech? You know, we could turn around and go right back and make it to our camp, you know, uh, in time, uh, for the sunlight goes down because I don't think there was any lights on the vehicles. After eight hours in eight rivers, no lights. So, so it's like, you know, we, we either go back now or we stay here and spend the night uh, in this village. And uh, that's exactly what we did. And to my knowledge, I think 27 people got saved and 11 people got healed. Uh, that night. And it went through three translators. Um, Todd to, uh, was it David? The head guy that... Yeah, to a third language or their language, uh, and it went all the way down. And so it was pretty amazing what God did. And then while we were over there, I don't remember who initially had at hands, um, uh, but uh, I, I witnessed a deaf person uh, getting their ears completely opened. Uh, it was at a different spot, but um, some of the team laid hands on this uh, guy that was completely deaf, and he could actually hear. Um, and was turning around at sounds uh, right after they prayed for him. So uh, we saw things like that, and I know that it's still going on in this ministry. I'm not going to uh, take up uh, much time tonight. Uh, Brother Jerry was just in our neck of the woods uh, at uh, Pastor Scott Webb's church there in near Birmingham. And it was a great time. We went to the men's meeting. We went to the Saturday night. We had our guys come back for the, the Sunday night. And uh, while we were there, um, they usually always had me at the men's meeting get up and just share, you know, things that are going on at Caneland and everything. And so, um, you know, by the way, for those of you that don't know, we take in guys that have struggled with drugs, alcohol, life controlling issues. Uh, we give them a one year Bible education free of charge. We, we've never taken money from them, their families, nor the government in 43 years now. And we're still operating on the principles of faith. Uh, my dad, a warrior in the faith, went to be with the Lord May 5th. 2014 so do the math 2014 2024 we've still never taken money didn't change what we did even after dad went and be lord and he still 
looking after us and providing for us. And we were uh, doing a new uh, project um, for, you know, a youth facility, children's facility, a new shop for the guys, um, a mechanic shop, a garage for, you know, some of the cars that we have. And our, our shop has been broken in like four times. People coming in, helping themselves, stealing stuff. And so we moved it to a great location. The groundwork didn't get done right. So, you know, we were believing for the first stage to get done and, uh, for everything to get done right and get the foundation just for the foundation. So, uh, I got up as I always do. I just shared what I was believing for drawing no expectation other than God. You know, even though brother Jerry was there, my expectation was not on brother Jerry. My expectation was from God alone. Uh, you know, I learned from Keith Moore, a valuable principle. He said, when it comes to God, expect every promise that he said that you could have. He said, but when it comes to people, expect nothing and then just be grateful for everything. Don't expect anything, but then be grateful for everything. So I didn't have my expectation on anything. They asked me to share. I was just doing my part. I sat back down. And uh, afterwards, uh, Brother Jerry looked around at me after he got done preaching. And he said, oh, by the way, the rest of what you need is coming in the mail. And, you know, I, I love what Brother Jerry says. Uh, you know, he says, I'm never surprised that God does it. He said, but I am surprised and maybe how God goes about doing it. Amen. And so, uh, God took care of us once again, but that was the provision of the Lord seed that we had in the ground. So God is faithful, uh, at the end of the day is what I'm trying to share with you. And I'm going to close so I can turn it over. I came to hear pastor Justin. I didn't bring my Bible up here. Notice I did not bring, I'm a preacher and I did not bring my Bible up here. Um, <laughs> I want to thank Joe and D, uh, Levine for being hospitable to us, taking me and Brittany in, letting us stay with them. Uh, we came, they had, uh, a nice couch that suited our home and uh, we came not just to get that but to enjoy the friendship that we have with them I ate a wonderful uh, dinner tonight and uh, thank you for opening your home to us and uh, we'll head out in the morning and, and head back home but I, I want to leave you with this this is what's been in my heart for a while and I'll just briefly say this um, it's been building because for several months I've been feeding on this teaching the church but the enemy has no defense for a consistent Christian. He has no defense for a consistent Christian. He does not know what to do when you decide to be consistent. That, that's all that God needs is consistency. All you ever need to be is just consistent. Don't try to figure out the, you know, everything else. Just be consistent. God will do the rest. Put your trust in him. But he has no defense. He does not know what to do if you decide, I'm going to be consistent. He has no defense for it. He can't handle it if you just start to get consistent. Because, you know, what I've found in life, I'm consistent to the Word of God. I'm consistent to faith. You know, the Bible says that Satan comes immediately, I know we know it, to steal the Word of God. You know, and I know all these people say nothing to the Word of God. Well, hey, in my household, in our ministry, you ain't going to shake me from, you know, you can call me old school. You can call me whatever you want. But the Bible is final authority, and the Bible's first place, and I've never seen anybody go under.
believing that the Bible was final authority in the first place. Never seen anybody go under believing that. And so, you know, you can get upset at me for believing that, but I've never went under. Amen? And, and you know, we may hit times, but faith is built for tough times. And it gets us through. You know, here's the thing. Has anybody, and I'm closing. <laughs> no, I, I really am. Uh, I, I really did come to hear Pastor Justin, and I'm, I'm excited about it. I'm not coming here to preach, but I want to share with you just one principle. Has anybody ever believed God? You've ever believed God, and you trusted God, put faith, uh, you know, prayed, worshipped, got in your word, stood on the word, and got a victory. Anybody? Anybody ever, ever got a victory? Well, if you've ever stood on the word, you prayed, and you gave time in worship, and you saw a victory, if you've ever saw a victory come from God, that you acknowledge come from God, it should come every time. It should come consistently. The problem is in the inconsistency, is why we don't see consistent miracles and consistent victories. Because if it works one time, it should work every time. And I'm going to close with this. I think I closed already. (laughs) Um, Praise the Lord. If he's ever come through for you one time, he'll come through for you every time. He'll come through every time. But what I've found is we, we, we get caught in putting God in the realm of a method. If I, if I do this, if I pray long enough, if I read long enough, if I do this, and we expect it to happen the same way every time, God doesn't work like that. God needs faith and God needs trust. He'll work out how he's going to do it. Amen? And we got to put faith that he will do it and know that he'll do it for us. You know, I heard one time that faith or believing that God can do something is faith in his power. But when you believe that God will do something, that's faith in his mercy. Hey, you believe God can do? Oh, yeah, God can do anything. Yeah, but do you believe that he will and that he will for you? There's the difference. See, if you just believe that God can, well, sure he can. He's God. That's faith in his power. You have faith in his ability. But when you believe that God will do something, and he'll do it just for you. Because he loves you every single time because you put his word first. That's faith in his mercy. And, uh, and he'll show up for you. Pastor Justin, thank you. So good. So good. Amen. So good, Caleb. Thank you. Hallelujah. I love that consistency. Consistency is key. Also, if it's on, in your heart to, to sow into a ministry that is, is about getting addicts free, getting people set free, I'll encourage you to become a monthly partner with Canaan Land. Now, we do as a church, but I'll encourage you, just see, uh, see Joe uh, later on or see Caleb and Brittany before they leave, and I'll encourage you, become a monthly partner with them and, and sow into that. Sow, in, sow into uh, other maybe family members in your, in your family, even though they may never go there, but sowing a seed towards breakthrough in someone else's life. Amen. So I encourage you, become, become a partner. Amen? Amen. Have your Bibles turned to Amos chapter 8. I know you read there a lot. Amos chapter 8. Some people are like, is that actually a book in the Bible? <laughs> 
Amos chapter 8, and I'm going to talk about the word, the word, amen. Hallelujah. Where should we start? Verse 11 says, behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. Wow. That's interesting, isn't it? That he says, I'm going to send a famine on the land. And he said, it's not a famine of bread and it's not a famine of water, but the famine is the hearing of the words of the Lord. Now, if you understand that this is, 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 a, is a, a prophecy, that these are prophecies spoken dealing with what's happening in the society at the time because they were serving other gods. And, and it gets to a point where, where they're saying, hey, there's, there's a famine that's entering into the land and it's not a natural famine, but it's a famine of the word of God. Now, I want you to see what happens when there's a famine of the word of God. Verse 12 says, they shall wander from sea to sea and from north to east. They shall run to and fro, seeking the word of the Lord, but they won't find it. So what happens? Well, so what's happening is, is when there's a famine on the word of God, there's a famine of the word, it, it gives people, a, it gives people a, no direction. It gives people no purpose. It gives people not having, have, it's, it's, if, if you have no direction, then you have no wisdom. So when there's a famine of the word of God, it says they're going to wander from sea to sea. Um, it, it, next verse says, verse 13, in that day, the fair virgins and strong young men, the strong young men shall faint from thirst. Those who swear by uh, the sin of Samaria who say, as your God lives. And you notice the lowercase g? As your God lives, O Dan, and as the way of Beersheba lives, they shall fall and never rise again. So what, what are we seeing happening here? I'm not going to focus a lot on this, but I want us to see that if there's a deficit of the word of God, there's a deficit of direction. If there's a deficit of the word of God, there's a deficit, you have no faith, you have no confidence. If you have a deficit of the word of God, you have no strength. So they're, instead of having the, the word of God, they're serving other gods. And because of that, they have no strength. The young men, the strong young men faint. Why? Be, and it all stems from not having the word of God. The word of God to us and to, to a believer is the most important thing. If we didn't have the word of God, we would know nothing about salvation. If we didn't have the word of God, we would know nothing about believe in your heart and confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and you would be saved. If we didn't have the word of God, we, wouldn't, we would have no understanding of redemption. If we have, didn't have the word of God, we would not know where we came from or, or what our life is about. We would have no understanding of why the earth is here. Everything that you can understand in life today is founded on the word of God. Amen. If you understand true science, true science actually proves the Bible, not disproves the Bible. Right. You'll say, well, why is the earth created? Why was the earth created? You have to go to the word for that. And they'll say, oh, well, 
The Bible says in, in Isaiah 28, it tells us that the earth was created to be inhabited. So man, the earth was created for man, not man for the earth. You see, the enemy always wants to deceive and pervert things on why things were created and how things were created. But you and I, we were created because God desired a family. But if we didn't have the word of God, we wouldn't know that. You have to build your life upon the word of God. This is an amazing book. It's a book that was written over a 1500 year period of time by, by 40 different authors. And it, yet it still all makes sense. The word. Go to uh, Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. look at verse 9. It says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Then verse 10 says this, and the disciples came and said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? He answered and he said to them, because it's been given to you. Because it's been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them, who's the them? Those who have ears to hear. But to them, to those who have ears to hear, it has been given for whoever has, whoever has what? Ears to hear. To him, more will be given and he will have abundance. Wow. So if I have ears to hear, then the Bible says that I have abundance. So we have to look at the reverse. If I don't have ears to hear, then I can't operate in, in prosperity and abundance. So if I understand the word of God and these, these words are in red, so red words win. And so that these are words of Jesus and Jesus is saying, if you have ears to hear, you can operate in abundance. You can operate in greater. You can operate in more. You can operate beyond the way this current world operates. But what you have to have ears to hear. But whoever does not have. <laughs> so what's, what is in this in reference? It goes back to verse 9. Whoever doesn't have ears to hear, even what he has will be taken away from him. Oh, goodness. Why is that? Because the enemy is a thief. Therefore, I speak to them in parables because seeing they do not see and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. And in them, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, hearing you will hear and shall not understand and seeing you will see and not perceive. Why? Verse 15, for the heart of this people has grown dull. So God's not the problem. The ears of God's people have grown dull. Is it really that God was truly sending a famine or was it God got to a place that people weren't listening? Hearts of this people have grown dull. Ears, their ears are hard of hearing. Now get this, their eyes, they have closed. Yeah. 
They, they've closed. They've closed. So this is, this, is on the, this is on the people, not on God. Lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their heart and turn so that I should heal them. Another word for heal them there is to make them whole. So, so if you turn and you have a desire to, hey, I want to have ears to hear and I want to have eyes to see, God is saying, hey, hey, if you want to hear what I have to say and you want to see what I want to show you, then what happens is not, now I have the ability to do something in your life. Verse 16 says, but blessed are your eyes for they see and your ears for they hear. For assuredly, I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desire to see what you see and they do not see it and to hear what you hear and they do not hear it. Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the wicked one comes and snatches it away. And for the sake of time, we'll, we'll go through this. Verse 21, it says, Yet has he no root in himself, but he endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arise because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Now, he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word. So we have the word being stolen and we have the word being choked. And he becomes unfruitful, verse 23. But now get this, but he who receives seed uh, on the good ground, but what's the seed? It's the word, right? But he who receives the word on good ground is he who hears the word and understands it. Who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some 60 and some 30. So let me ask you a question. Do you want to increase in your life? The key to 30, 60, and 100 fold, the key to maximum harvest in your life is getting to a place where you have ears to hear, eyes to see, and a heart to understand. What good ground is, is dealing dealing with people's hearts. And a heart that is good ground is a heart that has the, the desire to hear and the desire to understand. And it's that heart that brings forth the 30, 60, and 100 fold. Amen. 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 I don't know about you, but I want to be fruitful. I, I want to see abundance. How about you? So that means I need to put myself under the word to be able to receive what the word has to say in my life. The enemy's always going to be out to steal the word, like, like Pastor Caleb said. Amen. He wants to steal the word. The enemy wants circumstances to choke the word. Go to, um, hmm. I mean, there's so many things that we could talk about. I mean, discussing about the word. I mean, for instance, we could talk about Peter. Peter talked about the word and said that the incorruptible word, that we're born again, not of a corruptible seed, but an incorruptible seed, which is the word of God. Peter goes on in chapter two of that same, of the same book. And he says this, he says, desire the sincere milk of the word that what? That you might grow thereby. We could talk about James, the half brother of Jesus. And James said this, he says, receive the engrafted word, 
He says, lay aside, really lay aside your actions, lay aside your natural actions. I mean, King James says, lay aside all naughtiness and super, super I can't even say it, su- superfluousness. <laughs> Easy for me to say, right? He goes, lay aside all these things. And he said, and receive the engrafted word. The engrafted word is the word that is now a part of you. The engrafted word, when you engraft something, it now becomes a part of you. So it's not just listening to the word one one time, but it's the word becoming a part of you. It says, with all meekness, receive the engrafted word, that when you receive the engrafted word, it has the ability to save your soul. It's interesting it doesn't save your spirit. Why? Because, because saving your spirit has everything to do with what Jesus did on the cross and you receiving it by faith. But it says, it says that it saves your soul, meaning, meaning that when I receive the word of God and it's engrafted into my life, it changes my will. It changes my emotions. It changes my willingness. It changes who I am. It changes my entire being and changes my entire life. Right. The engrafted word. We can talk about, we can talk about the things that, that Paul said about the word. We can talk about what Jesus said about the word. What did Jesus say about the word? He said, if you continue in my word, you will be my disciples indeed, and you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. If you're consistent in the word, if you're consistent in the word, you will know that word and that word is what's going to make you free. It's the word. It's the word. The enemy's out to steal the word. Let's go to John 17. John 17. John 17, verse 8. This is Jesus speaking. And he says, For I have given to them the words. Say words. words. Words are more than one word. The words. Remember, we know Jesus, it says of Jesus, whether we're looking at John 5, whether we're looking at John 8, we know that Jesus said, I only say the things I hear my father say, right? I only do the things I see my father do. And here in his prayer, before he's really surrendering himself, he says this, for I have given to them the words which you have given me. So Jesus was speaking God's words. For I have given to them the words which you've given me and they have received them. See, that there, see, they have received them, meaning this is the part, this is our part. Are you receiving the words that he's speaking? Are you receiving the words that I'm speaking tonight or the words that you would hear on a Sunday morning? Or are you receiving the words that, that, are, that, that you get into this word? Are you receiving the words that are being spoken to you? So Jesus is saying, saying, the words I've spoken to you that you've given me, I've spoken to them. They have received them and have known surely that I came forth from you. And they, now get this, they have believed that you sent me. 
This is another scripture that can be another witness that we can say that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. See, Romans chapter 10 tells us that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If you don't have, if we don't have the word of God, faith cannot come. So Jesus is saying, I've spoken the words that you've given to me and they came to a place where they know. See, no is a, is a statement of faith. No is a statement of fact. When you know something, no one can take it away from you. And Jesus is saying, I brought forth your words that you've given me to speak. They know surely that you sent me. And it says, and they have believed. But the belief on the inside of them would not have come if they did not hear words. Our faith is established upon the word of God. If you do not have words on a situation, you don't have faith for a situation. Now, years ago, I remember um, listening to Creflo Dollar, uh, probably 1997, and, and I, I remember listening to him, and I was in Baltimore, and uh, he was telling the story on when he had gotten the report of having um, uh, cancer. And, and, and I remember when he said, when you get the word that you have cancer, you're going to have all sorts of things come through your, come through your thinking. You're going to have all sorts of things that are going to attack your mind, all sorts of things that are going to go through you. Fear is going to try to dominate you. And all these things are going to come at you, no matter what report you might have from the doctor. And Creflo was saying, how do I battle this? How, how, because what faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things are not seen. So, so what am I placing my faith in? I have to place my faith in the word of God. And so, so when people would come to Crefo and they, they would say, hey, I'm, I'm believing for this, he would say, well, what's your scripture? Well, I'm, I'm, uh, well I, 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 I don't know. No, because he had to do this in his life, and he was saying, you know, I'm working on something. He would, he would always do this as lifting weights, and he, he would say, I'm working on something. I'm working on something. I'm working on something. And, and, and he would, he, he found, he, the Holy Spirit directed him to the Word and directed him to the Scriptures. And every time he's confessing the Word, he's work, I'm working on something. I'm working on something. I'm working on something. Because every day the enemy is going to be talking to you, uh, talk you out of the Word. Every, every time that, that, that you get a, a pain in your body, the enemy's speaking to you and talking to you about something. And, but, but you have to talk back to, to, you have to talk back to your circum, you have to speak to the mountain that's speaking to you. And you gotta, you gotta say, I'm working on something. And what do you, what do you work on? I'm working with the word. I'm, I'm lifting the word. I'm strengthening my faith with the word. I'm going to the word because the word, the word is where my faith is going to be established and be, and cause me to be strong and move, immovable in the midst of circumstances. The word, the word. So they, their faith was established on the words that Jesus spoke. Go to 1 John chapter two. 1 John chapter two. Now John, of course we know, wrote the book of John. So John is the one that wrote even though Jesus prayed it, John wrote it. It's kind of, duh. But sometimes when you see things in a different way, it's like, wait a minute. So this is something John had to 
hold on to his entire life. You know, John, the one that they tried to boil in oil and they couldn't kill him. I mean, the one that when he's on the cross, he looks to, he looks to, uh, he looks to John and of course, I mean, John's writing, he says to the one in whom Jesus loved. (laughs) It's interesting that John's the one that wrote that. It's like, he loves me. But he says, you know, take care of my mother. And so John spends most of his life with Mary in the, in the, in the town of Ephesus. That's where Mary died. That's where Mary lived out the rest of her life in the town of Ephesus. It's interesting, isn't it? Before John was then thrown, uh, tried to, <laughs> tried to kill him, did all sorts of things to him, put him on the Isle of Patmos and that still didn't kill him. Well, it's like, we can't, we can't kill the guy. Let's put him on the island. <laughs> So John was a man of faith. What are some things that, that John wrote? I, I, I didn't get to 1 John yet, so bear with me. 1 John 2. Okay, can you put this up in the um, New Living Translation, please? The New Living. 1 John 2, verse 14. We'll read that in just a moment, but let me, I want to read this in the King James real quick. I want to go through it real quick, but starting in verse 12, this is John writing. He says, I write to you little children because your sins are forgiven for his namesake. See, when I read that faith comes knowing that, wait a minute, my sins are forgiven. Next verse says, I write to you fathers because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you young men because you've overcome the wicked one. I write to you little children because you have known the father. Verse 14 in New King James says, I've written to you fathers because you know him who is from the beginning. I've written to you young men because you're strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the wicked one. Let's look at this in the New Living. It says, I've written to you who are God's children because you know the Father. I've written to you who are mature in faith because you know Christ who existed from the beginning. I've written to you who are young in faith because you're strong. And what? God's word, God's word, God's word, God's word lives in your hearts. So what, what brings the strength and you, now get this, and you have won your battle with the evil one. You have won your battle with the evil one, but what was going to cause them to be strong and what was going to cause them to win the battle over the enemy, the word of God abiding in them. It was the word of God abiding in them that was going to cause them to win the battle over the enemy. So you ask, Pastor, how am I going to overcome this? The word of God abiding in you. How am I going to make it through this storm, Pastor Justin? It's the word of God abiding in you. Well, 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 Pastor, how am I going to fulfill my purpose in life? It's going to be the word of God abiding in you. Well, well, pastor, I don't have strength. How do I gain more strength? The word of God abiding in you. 
I mean, if you come to me with any problems or any issues, <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't have a whole lot of options for you. I don't have a 24-step plan. It's gonna, it's all, everything's going to come back and out of this word. It's not going to be the word and something else. It's going to be the word. Now, the word may direct you in something else. The word may give you some other information and things that you can do and, and where you gain wisdom on what you need to do in the natural and how you walk it all out. But the start of it's going to be the word of God. Hallelujah. Man. We could talk about the Apostle Paul, but man, man, out of time, but the Apostle Paul, just, just some th- notes you can take. You can write down 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 2 through 4, where Paul says, preach the word. Be instant in season, be out of season. And he says, why? And he, and he says, why? And he makes a statement. He says, because there will come a time when people won't heed sound doctrine. And people will go after other things because they have itching ears. And it says they'll heap them to themselves teachers. Actually, they actually things says pile up. They're going to pile up all sorts of teachers. And, you know, that, that may look like this. Well, I like what that preacher says, but I, 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 I'm not sure about everything he's saying. I like this to this one, but mm, I have a different opinion about him or about that. And it's like, it's like I, just want, I just want to hear something that I agree with, not something that challenges me. I want, I, want someone, I want to hear something that's going to cause the word to conform to my lifestyle instead of me to conform my life to the word. So Paul is having to warn them. He's warning Timothy, hey, who ends up being the pastor of Ephesus and says, hey, I mean, hey, just preach the word. Be instant, eat, eat, in season, out of season, just preach the word. Just preach the word. There's so many things being taught and preached today, but that's not the word. Just preach the word. Preach the word. If I give you my opinion in a message, I'll tell you this is my opinion. Even Paul, when he was writing, he was saying, now this is my opinion. He even said that, now this is my opinion. You know, some of the things written talking about women being preachers in church were things where he actually stayed, well, this is my opinion. He didn't say it was doctrine. So you have to understand culture and you have to understand the things of the times and, and what were taking place. But the purpose we have to understand is, is the, the foundation of it is the word. And he said, preach the word. Why? Because there's going to come a time when you're going to have all sorts of other things that are going to come at you. Just other, real quick, Philippians 1, he, he encouraged them um, in the message. It says, every time you cross my mind, I break out in exclamations of thanks to God. Each exclamation is a trigger to prayer. 
Now get this, I find myself praying for you with a glad heart. Then he says this, I'm so pleased that you have continued on in this with us, believing and proclaiming God's word, God's message. From the day you heard it right up to this present time. Ephesians 4, Paul says this, he, said, he talks about the, the pastor, prophet, evangelist, and the teacher. I know I'm talking fast. And he tells them, he says, these gifts are the perfecting of the saints for them to do the work of the ministry. Why would God need to perfect the saints to do the work of the ministry? You have to keep reading because he says, he goes, people will be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. Meaning back and forth, every wind of doctrine, every wind of doctrine, Every wind of doctrine, every wind of doctrine tossed to and fro. But he said, tells them that these gifts are for the body so that they can come to a place where they can be built up. So they can be built up into him who is the head, even Christ. Meaning these gifts are to cause the body of Christ to become stable to the point where the body of Christ in the church looks like Jesus. You can even look at Paul's writings looking in the book of Galatians. He says this in Galatians 1, 6. He says, I marvel that you are turning away so soon to another gospel. Do you know how many times I've seen this as a pastor? I mean, or, or since I've been in ministry at Jerusalem Ministries in 1999, 25 years here, 30 some years born again. How many times have people be, seen people drawn away? He, and Paul goes, how soon? How soon? <laughs> and then he, Paul even says this. He goes, he goes, even if I, he goes, even if I come to you with another gospel, don't believe it. Paul said, even if I start showing up next week and start preaching something different than what I preached to you when you first met me, don't even believe it. Paul's saying, don't even believe me. (laughs) Even if I start changing what I've been preaching, don't even believe me. He goes on and says, don't and, and no longer confer with flesh and blood. Wow. Hallelujah. Man, thank you, Lord. Let's close with this. Go to, go to Colossians 2. Colossians 2. While you're turning there, we could also talk about Paul's instructions also to Timothy. When he tells him, he said that I, Paul goes, look, man, I've, I've had all sorts of persecutions I've had a lot of setbacks. I've had people come against me. I mean, if you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and you're like, my life is great. (laughs) Paul's like, I've been beaten three times. I've been shipwrecked three times. I've been left for dead. I've been stoned. And beyond that, he goes, besides all that, he goes, I have the constant care of the churches. I'd be like, really, Paul? 
I mean, you've been stoned that many times, beaten that many times, shipwrecked that many times. People that he's on trial and he's on trial and you get to get to uh, Timothy chapter uh, four at the end of, he goes, he goes, when I was on trial, he's like, no one stood with me and all forsook me. Wow. That's, that's really great. Welcome to the ministry. But he said, the Lord stood by me. But I'm saying that because when he, he says this, he goes, but he goes, but he, he, he says, but out, he goes out of all those things, the Lord delivered me. And then he, but then he tells Peter this, and I really believe this is how I overcame. And this, when I experienced difficult things, and this is what my faith was in. My faith went back to the word because he, he goes in verse 14 of second Timothy chapter three, he goes, but you must continue in the things that you learned. And he goes, and continue in the Holy Scriptures and who you learn them from. Because it's in this that it thoroughly causes the man of God to be thoroughly furnished, to fully equipped for every good work. So Paul's answer to his breakthrough, his answer to difficulty, his answer for struggle still came back to the Holy Scriptures. The Holy Scriptures. Let's close this in Colossians 2. You're receiving something. Colossians chapter 2, verse, let's see. Verse 4 says, Now this I say, lest anyone should what? Mine says, lest anyone should deceive you. With what? Persuasive words? Enticing words. He says, for though I'm absent in the flesh, yet I'm with you in the spirit, rejoicing to see your good order, your good order, in the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. See, what does the enemy come to do immediately? Steal the word. The enemy wants to deceive you. And so you can look, I, I can show you throughout the whole New Testament and show you how, whether it's Paul, whether it's Peter, whether it's James, whether it's John, they all point back to this, don't let the enemy deceive you. Don't let anyone come with enticing persuasive words, for though I'm absent in the flesh, yet I'm with you in the spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. As you, now listen, as you therefore have received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him, what rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding in with thanksgiving, beware. Now another warning, beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the traditions of men, according to the basic principles of this world and not according to Christ. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily and you are complete in him. Hallelujah. For, now get this, for in him dwells all in Christ. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily and you are complete. You're complete in him. Wow. Wow. So in Christ dwells all the fullness of the God, everything that we could think of is in Christ. Isn't that amazing? But then Paul has the audacity to write 
that I'm complete in him. So when it comes to Christ and it comes to the word, there's nothing that you lack. Jesus is the fullness of the Godhead bodily, but then he turns around and says, you, we are complete in him. Wow. And that can make the kind of like the religious mind go tilt. Really? I'm complete in him. I'm complete in him, not lacking anything, Deborah. Hallelujah. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy, empty deceit, according to the traditions of men, according to the basic principles of the, of the world, and not according to Christ, for in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. And let me close with this, Colossians 3. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Verse 15. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Verse 16. Close with this. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Paul saying to let the word of Christ be in us in abundance. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom teaching, admonishing one another. Meaning we need to be so built up in the word, like Caleb was saying, that we are encouraging, we're admonishing one another with what? Not our opinions, the word. We're teaching the word. We're talking about the word. Well, you're going through that situation. Well, what does the word say about that situation? Well, pastor, I'm going through this. Well, let's, what does the word say about that situation? Let the word of Christ dwell in you in all wisdom, teaching, admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in our hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word and deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God, the Father through him. Hallelujah. Let the word of Christ dwell in us in abundance. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for the word tonight. And I thank you that it builds builds us up. And it is just as Paul said there in Colossians, it establishes us in the faith. I thank you that we are coming to a place where we are immovable. Even though attacks may come, even though circumstances may take place, I thank you that the word is coming to a place where it is dwelling us in us richly and it causes us to be immovable in any and every circumstance. I thank you, Lord, that we're growing in the word. Thank you, Father, for giving us a hunger for the word. And we thank you for it tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Do you receive that tonight? Amen. Hallelujah.
Hallelujah. I rest my case. The word. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father, for the word. Thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. Hallelujah. Mm. Never let the enemy steal your passion for the word. You know, I'm going to just say this because I believe this is for someone here watching by way of internet is, do you know when you are sick in your physical body, you have the flu, something's going on in your physical body, what's the biggest thing that you lose? Your appetite. I mean, if you've been throwing up all night long, usually you don't have an appetite. Right? You're, you don't feel good. You know, you lose your taste buds or, you know, and it's like food, you have a sore throat, food just doesn't taste good and you're just not hungry. Let me give you a hint because this is how you can, the thermometer on how you can see your spiritual life. If you don't have an appetite to the word, it's no different than you not having an appetite when you're naturally sick. If you don't have an appetite for the word, then something is sick spiritually. Okay? It's a thermostat. Your, your appetite for the word, your ap- well, I don't feel like going to church. Something's wrong spiritually. I'm telling you, it's just when you, anytime that the enemy tries to get you in a place of not being around the word, well, I, you know, not being around, not being around other people, something's not right. You're like, well, pastor, I'm just a loner. No, you shouldn't be. The Bible says that we build one another up. It says, don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together. So all these, all those things, I don't want to like being around people. I'm, 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 I'm shy or I'm this or I'm that. I don't want to be around. I don't want to hear the word. I don't want to listen to the word. I don't want to serve. I don't want to do all those things. You really, those things are thermostats that let you know that something isn't right in here. And you say, Lord, help me. Well, I don't know why I feel this way. I've been there. I've, I've been there before. And I say, Lord, why do I, why do I not want to be in the word? And he'll say, and, and, and if you get, he'll tell you. He'll tell you. Now I'm meddling, so. But it's, it, it's a key. And, and sometimes you don't need hands laid on you. You just need to make some, you need to ask the Lord to help you make adjustments. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord.